continue to celebrate the great 50 days of Easter with the Easter good news. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us today. There is a friendship pad on each one of the pews near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and let us know that you're here, whether you are here regularly or whether you're visiting with us, and then pass it down the row so that other people can fill it out too. Uh, you'll see the announcements of the week. We will be having a congregational meeting right at the very beginning of the next service, at right at 10 o'clock, to elect our officers for the next, uh, to elect our nominating committee that will be nominating our officers for the next year. Also, the art walk uh, this Thursday night. You are some special things that are going to be as part of our art walk from some of our artists that are celebrating our anniversary and the uh, founders that were artists in our church. You will see the deacons would uh, like to invite you to come and join them for an hour tomorrow evening. Uh, one of our members, Dr. Marcella McKibben, is going to be talking about maintaining brain health at any age. She'll be talking to the deacons about that, and we'd love to have you come join us from 7 to 8 tomorrow night. Mother's Day, it is our tradition for the deacons to serve strawberries and cream in the Rose Garden, and that will be again this, uh, this Mother's Day. And our third Friday group is, going, is welcoming back Eve Evans, who is a gospel and jazz singer. You may have heard her in town. She used to sing at the Hotel Laguna Jazz Nights, and she is wonderful and lots of fun. That is a potluck, and you can sign up for that starting today. If you're going to, on the Israel trip, you might especially want to get signed up for some of these things before you leave town. And Judy Bell is offering a new women's Bible study on Wednesday mornings, a group that is studying women at the cross, there is a group that has been with her before, and this is a new book, but you are welcome to join if you have not been in that group before. They'd love to have new people. And on May 10th, we're having a Red Cross blood drive. If you are not able to, as they say, extend your arm to give blood, can you extend the news to other people and invite them to come and be part of that? A couple of our members have passed away recently, and we got that information this week, uh, you can see that B. Frazier and Barbara Switzer have both gone home to be with the Lord. B. at age 95 and Barbara at age 100. Long, long lives. And the flowers this morning are also in celebration of a big birthday for Carol Maxwell. Congratulations, Carol. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this beautiful day in which we come to this house of worship we thank you for what we know about you, for all that we've experienced, what we have seen and heard, and the many different ways you've touched each of our lives. Now we ask that you will be glorified as we lift our praises of you in music. May our ears be attentive to your word, and may your Holy Spirit rest upon us and empower us for the mission that you have for each one of us and for us collectively as one people of God. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me for a call to worship. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. O come, let us worship and bow down. 
let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. O Christ, who lived to show what life is like, who died to show that sin is death, who rose to raise us up to eternal life, help us to worship you, to follow you, and to love you forever. Amen. Let us stand and worship. Let's sing, church. Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give.
This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. The God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. We sing together Psalm 130. You, O Lord, kept a record of sins. 
none of us could stand, not one. Because of God's amazing grace, we dare to come to him and tell him the truth about ourselves in the silence. Let us pray. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. The Apostle John writes, we declare to you what is from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have, we have seen, seen with, with our, our eyes, what we, we have, have looked, looked at and touched with our hands concerning, concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we've seen it and testify to it and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We, we declare, declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
We open our Bibles this morning to John chapter 21, the last chapter in John's Gospel. The third telling of the story of post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples. It's a very famous text in the New Testament. On one, page 115, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or Galilee. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it out, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, 
You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, he said to him, follow me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Well, Lord, you are present with us this morning. We may not easily recognize you, but you are present in the power of your word and spirit in the hearts of your people. You come to us where we are in our life journey. We pray this morning that you will, in this hour, bring illumination to your word through your spirit and transform our lives and restore our lives so that we may be your faithful disciples following you in our life journey. This we ask in your name. Amen. A lot of things had happened between Easter Sunday morning and evening and this post-resurrection appearance in Galilee to the north in Israel. The center of so much of the story was around Jerusalem. And we've reviewed that during Holy Week. But now we find the disciples back in Galilee. They've gone home. And they must have gone home with all kinds of mixed feelings and struggling with all kinds of questions and asking what I believe is the foundational question of this narrative, and that is, what's next? What's next for our lives? They had seen so much. The multitudes fed with but a few fish and loaves. The sick being healed, unclean spirits being driven out. The dead being raised, the word being proclaimed. They had seen so much and they had become caught up in this Jesus movement that as far as they were concerned, was the beginning of the inbreaking of the fulfillment of the new creation of the kingdom of God. And yet they did not fully understand, nor do we, as we struggle with our issues. To get inside of this story, we have to ask ourselves how those disciples must have been feeling I think they were disappointed. I think they were frustrated. Peter was obviously carrying a great burden of guilt. He remembered that on that night when Jesus was arrested 
that he had denied three times that he ever knew Jesus. He had apostatized, if you will, and turned away from the one whom he had faithfully followed, the, the one that had said of him, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Peter carried this burden of guilt and shame. And he remembered on that night when Jesus from a distance looked at him. Following his denial, Jesus simply looked at him, and I think that look broke his heart. For in that moment, G Peter saw what the vulnerabilities of his life were, how inconsistent he could be. We oftentimes find ourselves in that dilemma of life of asking about our own life story after things occur in our life. What's next? We're born into this world. We go to grade school, junior high school, high school. I can remember when I thought I'd never get out of high school. To think about four years at the high school and then another four years at the university, it seemed like forever. And there were many times along the way that I asked, what's next? Even if I graduate, even if I get a graduate degree, what's next in this very rapidly changing world? Can anyone ever be educated enough for what's next? Those people say that over a lifetime, even those who've graduated from college with a particular major will have multiple careers and face the economic ups and downs of our economic system. And at least it sometimes asks the question what's next? What's the market going to do Monday morning? Someone said, we live in an age of future shock. That is, the rate of change is so rapid that none of us can adapt to it and be available to the moment when it comes. And we ask ourselves when we're breathless, perhaps in the silence of the night, what's next? Is the company going to survive? Will I have enough to retire on? What's next? What if I get sick? What if the church goes through a meltdown? We've gone through a, a time in the history of the Presbyterian Church in America in which many felt that the church that they have loved and served has melted down. And actually a group of centrist pastors across the country came together and established a new organization called The Next Church. What might that look like? <laughs> we live in this world of this rapid change and 
the capability of human personality to change its face from day to day, to change our minds, to live with instability. And one person one day, one person another day, is that what life requires of us? And in the deeper sense, perhaps we, we come to that point in our lives when we face our own mortality. We're coming down that road to the end. And in the deepest way possible, we ask the question, what's next? Where's God at work? In all these issues and decisions and actions that life requires. Do I have the capacity to cope, to be free? And so some of this was working its way around in the mind and in the heart of, of Simon Peter. And that morning they'd gone back home. And Peter said to them, the only thing I know this next is to go fishing. Let's go back to what we were doing before. We've seen Jesus killed. We've seen him, we think, raised. And some had believed and others had not of the immediate group of disciples. And so Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And all the others, they didn't know what was next. So they decided, I'll go with you, they said. We'll go with you. And we'll continue to do what we were doing before. And they fished all night long, and the work was so difficult and intense in casting the nets that Peter took all of his clothes off, and he was soaked through and through. They fished all night, and they caught nothing. And it was kind of a parable of oftentimes how life may be. Given our best efforts and the hardest work we do, things don't work out and we still struggle with the question, what's next? Can we go back to this that is now so unproductive? It's almost like a parable of human existence. And then just as the sun was beginning to Lighten the sky over the golden heights, the golden hills. <clears throat> there was a stranger on the shore. By the end of this next week, our little group, we're going to be right there in that place. Where a little church is built. To commemorate the site where the stranger came and the stranger was Jesus, the resurrected Lord, with his taunting question, children, how would you like to be addressed as children? Do you have any fish? The question itself would have been irritating. No! Well, throw the net on the right side of the boat 
and you'll catch some. And they'd had this similar experience with Jesus before at the very beginning when he called them. They caught so many fish that the boats were sinking, the two boats. And Peter had fallen down before Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And that morning back in Galilee, though, the net filled up again of huge fish, and they were later counted 153. Who's counting? How do they know it's 153? How does that live in the tradition? But it's there. John, who calls himself the one whom Jesus loved, nudged Peter in that small little boat and said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Peter got so excited, he put his clothes back on, and he jumped into the water. I've often thought about that. When you're all wet anyway, why do you have to dress up and jump back in the water? I think Peter had some idea that he needed to cover himself up because he knew that there, was, there were dimensions of his life that were unforgiven. And as far as he was concerned, he could not forgive himself for what he had done. When they all drugged the the net back to the shoreline, they discovered that fish had already been provided, that Jesus had the fish, and he was cooking it, and he'd baked bread. There was a charcoal fire there. And he gave this invitation, come and have breakfast. What an act of hospitality. And after they ate, Jesus asked three times, Peter, why three? Because Peter had denied three times that he'd known Jesus. This was a morning in which Jesus knew if there was going to be a mission, Peter needed to be restored. He needed to be made whole. He needed to be given the capacity to forgive himself and to move forward. And three times he asked Simon Peter, Simon do you love me? Tend my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Yes, Lord. I want you to know that it hurts me so much that you had to ask me three times whether or not I loved you. I love you. key to the answer of this story and this question of what's next is found in the words of Jesus and the questions of Jesus. If you want to know what's next, Simon Peter, it's a process answer. I want you to love me and I want you to shepherd my people and I want you to be a responsible man of good character I want you to be an example to the others. 
I want you to pull together. Know that you have been unconditionally accepted and forgiven even in your denial of me. Even in your fallenness and the lapse of your own faith. I want you to know how much I love you and I want you to love your brothers and sisters as I have loved you and I want you to love me. And that's what's next. And that is a word from God for the church in our time and for each one of us. The Lord is interested not so much in where we are living or how we are responding even to the rapid changes of life. He's interested in what's going on in our internal life that finds outward expression. He wants to shape and form us in his own image and to live so closely with him that we will know him and love him and be caught up in the power of his resurrection life. That's what's next. For Peter, for the others, for disciples who have lived in every generation, this is the eternal message of the Word of God. To so be alive in Christ, the power of God's love, self-sacrificing love, might empower us to love one another and to make a difference in our world. watching David McCulloch the other evening being interviewed and he's this wonderful historian who's written all of these books and they were asking him about leadership. And he said the most fundamental quality that a leader needs to have is character. Character that is deeply rooted in the truth and the reality of the kingdom of God. He didn't say that but I'm adding to what he said. If Jesus was going to build his church upon the rock of Peter's faith and his confession, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The very foundation stone, the leader, would need to have character, the character of Christ, which is the character of grace, of love. The next answer to the question, what's next, comes in those simple words, follow me. Follow me. I tell you, Peter, the day is going to come when someone else is going to put a belt around your waist, and they're going to take you to where you do not wish to go. Nevertheless, follow me, trust me. You're not in control of your own life. You may think you are, but the key to an abundant life 
is simply to love well and to trust well and to surrender to the good providence of God and live into that with as much obedience as you possibly could. Now, Simon Peter did that. Both he and the Apostle Paul ended up in Rome during the times of Nero's persecutions. And there's a tradition in the history of Christianity called the, the Quo Vadis tradition from one of the apocryphal gospels called the, the Gospel of Peter. It's not in the canon of the New Testament. But it tells the story of during Nero's persecutions in which he was blaming the Christians for burning down Rome and rounding up every Christian he could find and killing them in the most horrible ways, that Peter, who had been in Rome as a part of that church, decided he needed to get out of there to save his own skin. And so Peter was on his way outside of Rome, out on the... Appian Way, and coming toward him on that road as he was running to save his own skin, running toward him was Jesus carrying a cross. And Peter was stunned. And he asked him, Quo Vadis, where are you going? Lord, where are you going? And the Lord answered, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified. And suddenly Peter saw the truth of his own life again, that he was running from suffering and persecution as he always had. He was betraying his Lord, and he turned around, and he went back where he ultimately was crucified on a cross upside down and set afire in what was, became the Vatican Gardens. And Paul was beheaded out on that Appian Way. And they both gave testimony to the great truth that someone else, perhaps the living God, had put a belt around them and taken them into a future that they had not anticipated, that they had not planned for. But it was the way to eternal life and to obedience to the gospel and planting the kingdom of God. What's next? What's next today for me and for you is to love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our strength, and to so totally trust his providential purpose in our lives that we are surrendered to allowing him to carry us and to use us and to empower us for his glory. You may think that pastors never struggle with these kinds of issues. What's next? But I have been in few groups of pastors who have not ended up very quickly in a fellowship together asking the question, what's next for my life?
Can't there be an easier way to make a living? And always the answer is the same. Abide in me, and I will abide in you, and your life will be fruitful. Bloom where you're planted. Love the people that God has given you to love. Serve one another. And follow me. Take up your cross. For it's in losing your life that you find it. Pray with me. Lord, uh, we do open ourselves to you. We hear your questions. We thank you that you come to us when we least expect it, that you know all about us, that nothing is hidden from you. And that being true, you love us nevertheless. And the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly to set us free to be truly human, to be faithful disciples, builders of the world, rather than those who tear up and tear down the world. Help us to finally get it and to trust the message this morning. I ask in your name. Amen. Please stand with me and let's affirm our faith. Together, this is the good news that we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved, if we hold it fast, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, and that He appeared first to the women, then to Peter and to the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is our Lord and our God. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for all of our blessings and for the working of your Spirit who causes us to give and to give generously. We praise you, O God, for the compassionate love that we have seen in our Lord Jesus Christ, that love that will not give up on us. And we pray for a greater capacity to love others, to befriend the lonely, to travel with those who are desperate, to comfort those who mourn, to encourage those who are depressed, and to listen to those who are troubled. We remember that Christ took upon himself the sins of the whole world, and we pray that we might be given the grace to accept the suffering and burden of our brothers and sisters around the world as our own. We pray for nations and neighborhoods in which we live, for peace and war-torn areas of our world, for the poor nations of the world, the hungry and the thirsty, to receive relief. And we pray for the persecuted to find refuge and strength. And we pray for your church around the world to recognize you alive and active and that we would follow you wholeheartedly for the sake of Jesus, the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so the apostle said, He who began a good work within you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Therefore, nothing can separate us from the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, in life and in death. We belong to God through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Go forth in peace. Amen. Thank you.